do we need a, a anecdote for this one? Mm. Um, I've decided I'm going to keep a list of things that make me angry in the week. Not because I think they'll make good intros to the podcast, but it will make me feel better to complain about them. We can't, we can't sound too miserable, can we? What, you think now's the time to put a limit on misery? That's 19 point, episodes in. You're right. What if I... What if I kept a list of things that I thought were nice? What has happened this week that is nice? Insert thinking music here. <laughs> I was going to try. I was going to try and sing thinking music there, but uh... it would be that. Um, I don't know what do you we call it countdown or do you call it countdown? You call it countdown. Oh, yeah. We call it letters and numbers. Exactly. I've got. I've got a six. Got a seven. What's your seven? What's your seven, John? Enumerate. What's a what's a seven? Um, can't think of a seven-letter word. Theoretically, this episode comes out in two weeks. Theoretically, which is just in time for Christmas. Oh, so this is a God of Christmas. Is this episode. the Christmas episode? Yeah. So I'm kind of Ladies and that... gentlemen, welcome to the Christmas special of Deceptively Clever, a history podcast that's casual about the truth. John, how do you normally celebrate Christmas? See, that's what I was going to ask you. Oh, there we go. Okay, I can I can tell you. I used to... I was a kid with insomnia, so I used to have a lot of trouble falling to sleep. Not because I was excited about Christmas, but my family was very big on not being materialistic. But at Christmas time, we were very materialistic because I always got good gifts. Particularly gifts that I both wanted and needed, so I had to lie in bed and make the moral decision not to get up and peek. I've never admitted on film or digital recording that I ever did, and I won't do that now because my parents listen well. Plus, I was a did pretty you? frightened child. That did would result in getting up very, very early, forcing the parents out of bed very early to look did at you, the presents. Did you get up and look at the presents? No, I never opened any. I would just... I think as a small child, I always... I can't remember when I was like, oh, Santa's clearly... Hmm. I can't remember when my opinions on how Santa did his business changed, revolved, but I would get up and just check there were presents. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I would sit in the living room with the presents and watch television. In fact, I would start planning what I would watch to pass the time before, like, let's say at 4am, I was getting up to watch television. But the presents were all there, and I didn't touch them, but I would look at them. And you'd try and work out what it was. I'd have a think, yeah. I remember one year, the year I got my golf clubs, which were probably the most significant Christmas present I got, because then I became an avid golfer. But they were in a box, which was a tall, sort of, about as long as you would expect a box of golf clubs to be. And I could not for the life of me figure out what was in this box. <laughs> How old are you when you got golf I already had a... My dad had gone to a second-hand store one day. He was already a golfer. He'd only play in the summertime. And he'd gone to a second-hand store and just picked up this set. So I would play sometimes, and I really liked golf. And then I reckon when I was sort of grade 7... You're going to have to tell me what age that is. Is that 10, 11? 12, 13. 13. Sort of 13, 14, maybe. They got me sort of a proper... Like an actual set, which I think they were... Either they were new or really close to new, refurbished a set of irons. Um, yeah, is that, that the best? Probably... Is that the best Christmas present you've ever had? Well, that's a tough one. I'm the kind of kid you can give four amazing gifts to and one little bouncy ball, 
and I would just be fascinated by the bouncy ball and, and play with that all day. Yeah. I reckon the golf clubs, yeah. I then spent a lot of hours. Like, if I had spent the hours I've spent playing golf trying to get good at something that would have made me money, I'd be a lot wealthier than I am now. <laughs> but well, that um, golf was the thing that made you money. The golf was never a thing that made me any money, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon that was the one. That, that's the that's the one that comes to mind. Uh, there was always a new set of clothes. Always had to wear the new clothes on Christmas Day. I do love that, though, on Christmas, when you get, like, a, a new shirt... And it's like, that's what I'm wearing for the day. Thank you. It was good. However, I then, I'm a person who wears the same, I have about eight black t-shirts and I just wear them. And I don't know, by an age where I was getting close to adulthood and into adulthood, I would just wear, on Christmas Day, I would just wear the clothes I would wear any other day of the year. And I reckon by about maybe 17, 18, 19, I had to say, look, mum, I know we're going to this specific aunt's for Christmas Day. I'm just going to tell you now, I am wearing my clothes. That's it. Just as a warning. Out of context. Out of context, that just sounds like you're turning up nude everywhere. Well, no. Black black t-shirt. Practical I think... shorts. Brown boots. There we go. Uh, yeah, no, I can see it vividly now. Based on I wore the... exactly those clothes to yeah. your house. Exactly, yeah. Um, I don't think I saw any of my Christmas presents before I was meant to. You didn't peek? Where were was, they? What were I they in? Were scared. they wrapped? Were they in a I sack? Ours were also ours were always delivered by Santa. Um Yeah. We, like in in bags in the living room. So there'd be like a big yep. Yep, 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 yep. bag. And then we had we had stockings as well that we'd get. Isn't that funny our... how Santa puts the presents in different situations in everyone's houses? Like some people have wrapped presents in bags some people have only wrapped under trees some people have just in bags no wrapping paper he's a smart guy he knows what people's like hmm and then he keeps it the same every year yeah i have a lot of friends who are like no i want to open every single present none of this grouping presents together nonsense i want as much opening as possible i was very practical i was perfectly happy with just stick it all in a sack and i'll pull it out like let's not let's not be messing around with too much wrapping you don't want new presents wrapped? What? Like, I wasn't... Some of them would be wrapped. Like, there'd be a few that would all stick together and wrap, stick them under the tree. Some of it would just be, like, piled in a big sack, whatever fit in the sack. And I was I was fine with that. But, no, nah, I've got friends uh, that are like, no, I'm, I'm telling Santa. I'm telling my uh, mum to tell Santa that every single thing must be individually wrapped. I've never now, understood people who open presents on the 24th. Mm, and they're like, you get to pick one thing. I'm like, what are you, a child? I know, yeah. I'd be I'd be too worried that I picked like the best one, and then that's your that's your, like you're just not sleeping at all. You've already got the sort of child anxiety of like I can't wait to open my present. Not anxiety, excitement. Yeah. Sorry, that's a uh, twenty four year old speaking. Um, <laughs> you're too excited to go to sleep. Imagine then knowing that something is there that is like yeah, yeah, it's peaked. And that's pretty much what Christmas is. It's, you're realising it's just, it's going to be disappointing every year because you're not a child anymore. Um, what do you have for Christmas dinner? Uh, Australia is interesting. I would say... Because it's like, do you want to roast dinner when it's hot outside? <laughs> yeah, it's less about the food than than England. And obviously, like America's weird because they have the Thanksgiving. I yeah, so would they're not say some years... Especially lunchtime, it'll be seafood normally. But it's normally like there's a bunch of really nice dishes put out. 
like some salads and animals slaughtered and toasted in different ways. Delicious. Um, there would be some roast chickens. Unfortunately, there would be, uh, I don't know, lamb quite often. It's not as rigid. There's not like the iconic table setting where the meat's being carved, in my experience. Like a buffet. Um, and it makes, like a buffet. Still, I mean, the format's all the same. It's just less formal because you're probably outside. You could have a barbecue. I don't know. It, 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 no one would say, I'm having Christmas dinner, and you know exactly what they're cooking. It's not like you know they're stuffing a turkey. Yeah. But you're not, not going to get there and someone goes, oh, we're having sushi. I just, I don't know. I think, is the, I don't know, is the UK the only one that does, like, a big roast turkey on Christmas Day? I think they still do it in America. I don't think they do, though, as much, because you've got your Thanksgiving, haven't they? So they do, what do they cook then? I don't know. It just seems like it's not, I feel like when you speak to, like, a British person about Christmas, it's like Christmas dinner is the thing. But I don't really think it is in yep. other places. Um, which is interesting. No, I guess, I mean, England's probably is my, the iconic Christmas that's in my head is probably the English one, or the British one. Uh, I did that once out of my three Christmases. The first one I spent it alone. You went to Jack's, didn't you? Sorry, that was the actual first one. That was before yeah. I really moved there. That was the that was the proper Christmas. Oh god, I bet yeah, I bet that Christmas that was that household is there. Yeah, went to the went to the bet pub. There's some good food there. Oh yeah, they did not mess around. Uh, went to the pub and did the um, is it midnight mass the night before? Oh yeah, and then all the family came around the next day. That was a good one. That was that was a good one. Then when I moved to England, I spent one entirely alone, and I had Subway. And the next year, I had oh pizza with a friend, and then I had another proper Christmas with a family. Um, that was that was all. That was like a movie. Someone flew in from another country to come home. Um, everyone getting together. Very very good. Very lovely. Those those were two pretty iconic Christmases. I think that gives me an appreciation of. The differences. I just think it's hard to explain to anyone who's not from Australia what it, the benefits of having Christmas in summer because they say it wouldn't feel like Christmas. And sure, but we still have Christmas, so we still have our own way of expressing the feeling yeah. of Christmas. <laughs> it's our Christmas, yeah. <laughs> but the weather's beautiful and you can just spend it outside. You just have constant gatherings with people. And then New Year's Eve nice. comes around and you can have New Year's Eve at the beach. By the harbour. That sounds amazing. That would be fantastic. Whenever I was trying to like, whenever someone was just being really negative about Australian Christmas, I was like, yeah, but just imagine New Year's. Maybe we could buy the Labour Party. No, that's, we don't have that much money. Um, this is not in 19 minutes of chaos. <laughs> You asked yeah, about Christmas. Object. How did you how did you plan on segueing from asking me about Christmas to getting towards an object? Have you ever sent a Christmas card, Justin? Uh, yes. Then let me tell you about the first Christmas card ever. The first Christmas card. There you go. Smoke Was dick. it a corporation trying to invent a new market? No. Good. Pray continue. Uh, is your search engine ready? Yeah, so ready. Then just search the first Christmas card. Is the really necessary? Uh, yeah, it is. 
Yes, yes, because I say so. Uh, Whoops, I've just searched the fridge. Do you actually like do you actually like Christmas? Do I like Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, I love Christmas. Because I'm known as being a person that doesn't, because there's lots of things I hate about it. Mostly it's just anxious and a complete waste of money. This uh, is kind of pretty. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you was the statement and a Happy New Year a regular part of Christmas greetings before this card? I assume so because it is involved in the card. They didn't invent it because if they did, I was going to be angry with them. Why? Let's deal with New Year when it's New Year, all right? Oh, okay. I love Christmas. I love Christmas tunes. I love Christmas food. I love Christmas drinks. I love <sighs> sitting yes. in by a fire with a Christmas tree. It's great. It's all fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that, those are some of the best bits. I, I, I will like say... giving presents. I like getting presents. I like doing You the like whole... giving presents? It's stressful, but it's rewarding. I... Yeah, I like giving presents. Because I think that well, sometimes you just find something that is like perfect for someone. And you're just excited to give it to them. Here's my problem. If I find something that's perfect for someone, I just get it and give it to them. That doesn't happen because uh-huh. I'm not a nice person, but I would. I don't want an occasion for it. And you have to get something for everyone. Anyway, that's enough of my grumpiness, yes? You could just agree with the people not to do presents. Yeah, then they're getting you one anyway. No, that's true, actually, yeah. No one's ever, no one's ever like, properly agreed not to do presents and then gone, I'll get you a little something. Yeah, no. Oh, it's, God, it's stressful. I just wish... You know those people who... Like, I've got people. I see people every day. They're done. They've already done all their Christmas shopping. How? How? Oh, yeah, it's fuming. Uh, I need to go do some today, actually, but... Well, Can't we'll see it. about that. Yeah, oh yeah, genuinely. Because Here's the other thing that's normally a problem. The shops are too busy. I don't reckon that's going to be a problem for you today. That's why I need to go today, because I know that it's going to be a Tuesday. <laughs> and yeah. it's just going to be... And I can just wander about by myself. I tried anyway, that. The people, the people were not standing on the COVID spots. And then I got to the checkout and said to the person on the checkout, does it just get worse than this every week? Or is this as bad? Is, does it just stay this bad? And that person just looked me in the eye and was like, oh, sweetheart, you've got no idea. I went into a supermarket where I used to work yesterday. And uh, the person on the um, checkout just said, the Christmas crowds have begun. And I was like, yeah, I'm glad I don't work here anymore. <laughs> you were like, not a single part of me wants to be involved in this again. But yeah, best of luck to you. So, okay, Christmas are you looking card. at it looks the nice. first yep. Christmas card? The coloured version or the non-coloured version? Coloured version. Okay, beautiful. What do you see? Tell me more. I can see a group of people. It looks like some of them are holding drinks. I could click on it and I'd get a better view, but I feel like that might reveal too many details. No, that's a lot. Um, there's ahead. some... Click away. Click away. I'll click on the smithsonianmag.com one. Got a bit of a better view. Oh, there's some... Um, so there's a group of people in the middle. They're kind of framed by some sort of nice, ornate timber structures. Kind of like... It would be an altar around a wedding, but a, a square version. And in the centre frame is a group of people sitting around drinking, looking pretty happy. Looks like we've got some sherry or something. Kids having a sip of sherry. We do not condone the consumption of alcohol by minors. On the left side, we've got a couple of figures, I don't know, feeding a child or something. And on the right-hand side, there's a person draping a cloth over what looks like either a vulnerable or an old person. Pretty spot on. So and there's some vine leaves. The vine leaves look cool. It's true. So you've got in the middle. You've got a three. This family of three generations all enjoying a Christmas meal and drinking uh, wine. And it really does look like a kid is really going for that wine, isn't it? 
that she's like grabbing it. She's like, absolutely, I cannot tolerate the extended cousins any longer. Give that to me. <laughs> she's like down a long dark road from now on. Um, <laughs> or she's been promised it on Christmas, and she's like, here we go. You said I could. I'm having it. Yeah, this is this is the third one since she tasted fortified wine, and yep. every year, she just looks forward to getting absolutely smashed. <laughs> And then on the left, you have got someone, it, you said someone feeding someone, it's it's uh, gift giving. Oh, okay. It's not and food. And then on the right, it's charity. So it's all of like, it's someone being very charitable, draping a blanket. So it's all these nice Victorian values that you want to celebrate. Because this yep. card is from the Victorian period, from 1843. 1843. And the first third of the era well queen victoria was from 1837 i think wasn't she? Mm-hmm. so i don't know yep, yep sounds good till 1901 yep i want to say nice long reign so to say this is the first christmas card is slightly wrong because it's not the first christmas card um this is the first commercially produced christmas card um, okay I think there was one that was found from like the 16th century or something that was a card that was given to someone, but I think that was just a one-off event and they said, this will never catch on. I'm not going to do it from now on. Um, so this was, as the story goes, was invented by Henry Cole, who was a civil servant and general government person, really, um, in Britain, and he was annoyed at the way that people wrote Christmas greetings because you would write individual Christmas cards to each person and it would be this long process and he had lots of mail that was just... He was a man after my heart. Yeah, he just had stuff that was unopened that you just get round to and all this stuff. He wanted to batch. To batch this... very narrative story here. Tedious task that he had to do every year. Yeah, and he's like, ah. God, I hate Christmas. If only Christmas was fun. And so he decided that he would commission someone called James Horsley. Oh, yeah. Um, James. Oh, James or John. I found <laughs> two different versions. Okay. J. Horsley. J. Colcott Horsley. There we go. That's better. Um, to illustrate this image of the three generations. I think it is meant to be the Cole family. So as you can see, that's probably Henry Cole who is lifting his glass and looking out to you while his yep. Yep. granddaughter gets drunk. Um, yep. And the idea was that you would have these cards and it's more like a postcard and you would just, you can see at the bottom of it, you can see it says from. Yep. And so you could just uh, write down from yep, to Henry from. Cole. And you, you can even you, make a stamp with your name and just put your stamp in the from, and then you don't have to write the to section. Exactly. And it already says Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, so you're not wasting any of your ink on that. So, sorted. Oh, if um, he was real smart, he would have sold a double set. You can send a, a new year one as well and make twice the money. No, then you have to do twice the number of twos and froms. It's not worth it. And it was twice the effort to make them as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Um... So, I'm not sure if you're looking at the image. I don't think you will be. But basically, there's there's one on the... Because this card, I think, is held by the V&A. Um, 
they have the earliest one. And it's James Horsley wrote one to Henry Cole and he's done a little self-portrait of himself and then put Xmas 1843, which I think is quite a nice little little cute version of that instead of just writing his name. That is cute. I can't say that one. I can say one that's written on it, but um, I like the idea that someone's looking after that. He's also written Xmas, which I thought was very interesting because I thought that was a modern thing. But it's yeah. very cute. Well very... picked up on John because we could have just easily brushed over that point of interest. I was tempted to make that a uh, statement, but it seemed a bit boring. <laughs> um, mm, I don't know because I hate the use of Xmas when it's unnecessary, when they could have just written Christmas. Oh, it saves so much time, though, doesn't it? don't care. It's horrible. Excellent. <laughs> it does look a bit horrible. So he decided that he was also going to sell these. So I think he commissioned some for his use, and then he also decided that he was going to sell them. Again, I've got varying numbers. All of these articles that I read are very clearly, this person's just read this article and rewrote it, and then this person read <laughs> this and rewrote it. So it's just... Yeah. It's like, yeah, God, it makes it... Really annoying. <laughs> the classic um, SEO strategy of uh, take that which has come before and rephrase slightly. Hence why James and John can happen. Yep. Yep. And then eventually down the line, he'll be called Benjamin Smith. And you go, oh, God. Um, so he commissioned some to be sold, but they were sold at a shilling per card, which I am told by the V&A was expensive at the time. Oh, um, Okay. So it didn't particularly make any money because he didn't sell that many and it was hard to produce them because they were very sort of, it's a very slow process. Mm -hmm. And they were very much targeted at the middle class and it was a very sort of bourgeois thing to send these cards out. So you're not getting mass production, you're not getting things. So they're a bit of a commercial flop. However, it is the first commercially produced Christmas card. Okay, so this was inaccessible. People like you and me would have just been writing notes to each other as per normal. He was also involved in a lot in adapting and, I don't know if reforming is the word, but helping the postal systems in Britain at the time. So I think he was involved in the Penny Post, which I think was before this, um, which was basically just you could send a letter for a penny and it was, uh, I suppose revolutionised might be old. How much did but, um, it cost before that? I don't know. And I think he was I think he has been credited by some people as inventing the penny black, which is the first post uh like stamp. I but that was a very much a throwaway comment, so mm. don't quote that, me on that. But it's that basically feels like an object for another day. Yeah, he is he is capitalizing on these new post ways of sending letters as well. So it sort of okay. marries it together. Yep. Would you like some statements, then? Oh, I think it's about that time. So, even though it was a commercial flop, Queen Victoria did send some of Henry Cole's cards to other European monarchs. Like it. Statement number two. These early Christmas cards were, and this is more general early Christmas cards, were influenced by Valentine's Day cards, which were already popular. That makes some sense. Statement three. He was slightly too ahead of the curve. The second Christmas card wasn't until 1848, and this was all predating the really sort of commercialization of Christmas. So he's a bit too early to make any money, that is. Well, John, you've done it again. Those are three good statements. Nothing 
is immediately problematic. Do you know what I was? I was <laughs> I've become annoyed at myself in this podcast because I'll choose an object and then I'll go, or like I'll choose something and then I'll go, well, this is my excuse to talk about this thing or like whatever. So I spent ages trying to find like a famous bauble <laughs> to do as like an object or a famous what? like Christmas tree so I could do like a really object specific one. And I was like, first Christmas card, that'll do. <laughs> But so you I didn't, didn't already to... know that this was a thing. No. You just I didn't wanted want to... a Christmas I... object. Yeah, and I was thinking like I could do baubles and I was getting into like the history of baubles, but I was like, that's not a specific object. That is like a general thing. Also quite interesting the history of baubles, but that could be next year's. That could be the after show if we've got time. This is already running quite long. Um I mean you got pretty lucky if you just decided to look up first Christmas card and it had this kind of story behind it. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I googled, I was like, <laughs> I was just searching like random things. I pretty much did what you did and just did like hit famous historical Christmas objects. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're a, able to enough understand clicking that and you, we enough need clicking to think and you about get somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You were able to understand we needed to think about the Christmas special now. You need to think about the Christmas special of your podcast about when you should have already finished your shopping. Whereas I would get to December 23rd and go, oh, I'm working every single day. And we need to record and edit and release a podcast. No, not John. John's a man who gets your cards there on time. I expect a Christmas card from you now at this point. You're not getting one back, but... Do you? <laughs> I can send no. you a Christmas card. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. No. Um, I'll send you one. It might be late, but I'll, uh, I'll send you a Christmas card. We'll do something virtual. We we'll share a podcast. Say? What's I your address? Think... Say it now. You don't have my address. Say it now, just why, on, why would on you? the podcast. <laughs> Didn't I send you a letter after I left? I guess not. Did I? Why did um, I? Yes, I, I don't know. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. No, uh, I probably didn't. You, I don't think we ever felt like, you know... I think we were able to we're communicate not. pretty moderately without either of us being upset. Yeah, I think so. Um, Queen Victoria. So, okay, I mean, you just might as well tell me which monarchs were sent cards. So, I didn't have all of them. Because I think she sent a okay. few. But I can tell you that she sent one to Robert Peel, who was the Prime Minister of the UK. That's not a uh, monarch, but yes. I know, but that was a general. I've got some Notable. monarchs here. Notable person, yep. Uh, William II of the Netherlands. Good. Uh, Frederick Wilhelm IV of Prussia. Oh, a descendant of... Uh... One of the czars that didn't turn up to uh, to see the fountain. Yes. Absolute bastards. Uh, do you like some more? Yep. Uh, Christian the Eighth of Denmark. Mm-hmm. And Louis Philippe the First of France. I'm now wondering whether you would have gone to the effort of checking that you had the right monarchs at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> if you made up a lie. But my European history is not such that uh, I could question you on that. I wouldn't have thought that France would have what we would call a monarch at this time. 1843. Um, but then they, they sort of went back and forth, didn't they? Ah, oh, they, went, they went back, did they, after Napoleon? I think so. When uh, was the Battle of Waterloo, just incidentally? Battle of Waterloo? Hmm. 
or Battle of Waterloo was must have been before or after this. I want to say before. I'm going to say. I feel like it was 1836, for example, but I have no idea. I was going to say 1820s. Do you want to know? Yep. 1815. Oh yeah. Battle okay. Of Waterloo. Okay. All right. Um. I need not Queen Victoria it. sent a few out. Have you got any other notes on this statement? Um, just how they knew each other. Um, Who? Henry Cole and Queen Victoria. Oh, okay, yep. Um, by the sounds of it, he was quite well-known in the government, and I know that he was involved in the Great Exhibition. Um, yep. A few years, well, 1851, was that, I think? So... Because I was like, how did she have them if they weren't that successful? But by the sounds of it, there was some connection there between Queen Victoria and Henry Cole. And I assume that maybe... They might have gone to the same Christmas parties. (laughs) And he said, do you want a Christmas card? Um, But I know that like Queen Victoria was one of the people who was... They basically made Christmas very fashionable. And so to send cards and to send the first cards was sort of quite a... I suppose, don't use the word iconic... But it was a pretty big thing that she was doing that. And it was very much sort of her steps. I keep saying sort okay. of. Monumentous. Monumentous, that's the one. Is that a word? Because they were the ones who were like popularizing the Christmas tree. And this was like, while things were getting, Christmas was starting to really take off as a holiday. So she wanted to be the first person. Sadly, it didn't have enough success to with the wider world. It sounds like he was doing fine. Like, I don't know, he left his legacy. I have to deal with these nonsense all the time now. <laughs> I can't wait to send you a Christmas card now. Uh, I'll put it on the at Deceptively Clever Instagram when that happens. But you're going to have to send me your address, which I... Would you give me your address? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, great. I'll send you a Why Christmas card. Why would I not? I feel like you wouldn't want to get a Christmas card, so you wouldn't give me your address until after Christmas. Oh, I like uh, archaic communication methods. I was tempted to uh, ask Cherie. Oh, it would have been cool if you could have sent the card to her, like a replica, and I could have opened it on camera, and then we could have done a podcast about it. That is too much effort. That is too much You could have written the statements in it and got it to me in advance. I was was researching this at 10 o'clock last night. Are you going to expect me to send you a card to then open on camera? (laughs) Bloody hell. I'm already worried about the. Uh, the two people who can't get a podcast out on Mondays. Card. I've just gone pretty elaborate there. Yeah. No. Good point. Good point. All right. I look forward to that. Maybe one day we'll awesome. have a deceptively clever community secret Santa. Does that sound fun? No. No. Did you Did you have a secret Santa at the museum? No. <laughs> we had a board where you had to write your name down. It was voluntary, and my my attitude and personality is so well known. Apparently, I wasn't here for this. But somebody in a full staff room suggested that they write my name on as a joke. And somebody quoted almost verbatim the exact response I had to that suggestion, which was <laughs> absolutely not. I just gave you loads of oat milk if I was your secret Santa. Oh, that's because you know me better than most people. Because uh, I so don't happy. think I don't think anyone has to know you very well to know that you love oat milk. Yeah, but what a good gift though. Like I didn't even think of that. If honestly, if it's I we won't release this until Christmas or when it's too late. If someone gave me... I'll just say it now. If someone gave me one bottle of oat milk for Christmas, that person would become my best friend. Just, like, I would just go, all right, you you are it. Like, I like you the most. <laughs> You've done it. You're my best friend you, now. 
you've done it. Like, I'm not going to annoy you. This is not going to become an obligation. You don't have to now be actual friends with me. I just want you to know that I like you more than all of the other people. Right, should we do statement two? Oh my god, laptop's just gone off. Uh, statement two. Oat, oat is the future. The future is oat. Uh, Christmas cards influenced by Valentine's Day cards. Do you have a history of Valentine's Day cards summarised there? When did they start? Etc. So, based on the, again, brief information that I could find, um, Valentine's Day cards were earlier in the 19th century, and I believe that there were some in the late 18th as well. Okay. Um, but... Again, because there's not that much mass production of cards, a lot of them were like handmade efforts um, that would you would give to your Valentine, and you'd slip under their door, they'd get it, and they'd be like, "Somebody likes me," um, which is what everyone likes to have on Valentine's Day, I'm sure. Um, but they also had like a specific sort of, they had a very similar design of flowers and sort of um, embossed card. And sometimes they would, you would open it and it would reveal flowers or some religious symbols. And those ideas were carried on to Christmas cards. So you've got things like um, the Robin or Holly. Um, all of the things, these things that we really associate with Christmas now sort of came along with this floral inspiration from Valentine's Day cards. Okay. And a lot of them are, because if you look at early Valentine's Day, they are quite similar where it's like, People picking flowers and all this stuff, and then you've got families all together on Christmas. There's some very clear influences between the two. Yeah. And by the that, sounds of it, it was another big sense. sort of like 18th, uh, 19th century trend that then got moved over to Christmas cards. Right. Um, birthday cards, are they a thing at this point? No, I don't know, actually. I was no. surprised that Valentine's Day cards were. Oh, yes, it's either a lie, or I am also surprised. <laughs> First birthday card. Oh, it's just coming up with cards for someone's first birthday. <laughs> <laughs> As you typed that, I took a sip of tea and I thought to myself, that is the single most stupid search we've had on the podcast. I've added history to the back of that. Oh, that was beautiful. I love it. Was it obnoxious American-looking designs? I didn't come up with any images, but I'm seeing lots oh, okay. of very cringy ones, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, what's the point of a first birthday card? Oh, here we go. First made its appearance in the mid-19th century. So, about the same time. Uh, it's all happening for cards. I think it's all happening for commercialisation. Yes. Yes, yes. I, I'd be l- really interested to see whether... One, I would like to know more about the history of printing. We touched on it a little bit with the Sinner's Bible. And there's interesting crossovers with the development of copyright laws and a bunch of other things I'm interested in. So, one day I will sort of scope that out a little bit better but um, this probably wasn't viable as a business when printing was expensive and colours were expensive and the Victorians found ways to sell a lot more things of no use or need for anyone because it was trendy because it was trendy yeah there's I'm now just on the Wikipedia page for birthday cards um, and there's a section for notable birthday cards of which there is one example, which I think is a bit lazy. It was a birthday card from the people of Poland to the United States in 1926 as part of their sesquicentennial of the United States. What is that? That's Ses- stupid. I don't know what that is. 150th anniversary. That doesn't make much sense to me. 
but okay. Where do you send a postcard, uh, a birthday card to the United States? Do you send it to whatever the address of the White House is? Um, one, United States. <laughs> Two, America from Poland. There was that story, I remember, I think it was on BBC News, like one of these little, like, tiny articles where they just found, like, interesting stories where someone just wrote someone's first name on a card or, like, their, um, just their name and it, like, got to them. And it was like, how? You've got no yeah. information there to go off and it's just got there. Right, okay. Well, I feel like there must be a little bit more to it than that. Either it was local, like if you put a name on it, if I put a name of someone in Tasmania, someone in the post office was having a pretty boring day, so they decided to just give this a go. <laughs> I could understand that. But if it's like I wrote a random name for whom there was a matching person who lived in India and I expected it to get there, I feel like that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, that would be a stretch, wouldn't it? It would have to be a name that there was literally only one of, or there's some other details here. I look forward to looking this up. I'm going to do it with your card. I'm just going to write just in and just see where it gets. I don't mind this as an idea. Let's... Well, no, because it'll never have an ending. <laughs> we won't be able to, like... <laughs> no, put Justin, Justin's last name and put Tasmania and put enough stamps on to get it here and let's see whether it gets here. How many stamps would I have to put on? Uh, it's just an international stamp. I can't remember what it's called, but you tell the person in the post office and they look at you like you're an idiot because you're supposed to know what the stamp is. I did it every single time. I said, I would walk into the post office and say, can I please have a stamp that will get this to Australia? And they'd give me one of these long, square, blue international ones. I don't know. Well, I've, like seen people send, I've seen people send cards internationally that just has like a normal stamp on it. I think you can do a certain amount of normal stamps. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of the Australian version because I've sent... I sent quite a lot of stuff to England as well. But I don't think it's your normal. It's not just a first-class stamp. Oh. What's your favourite Christmas song? Um, I think that Last Christmas gets too much hate. I love Last Christmas. Or Darling Love, Baby Please Come Home is fantastic. Hmm. How many times do you think Ben has played All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey? It's currently the 8th of December, and therefore probably... <laughs> 3,296. Yeah. Yeah, it's a maybe ten listens a day, so it's probably a, and he will have started before December, so maybe he's over a hundred by now. I reckon. He started oh sometime in November, and I said absolutely not, it's too early, and he just sent back. I don't know, it's never. Have you got um, a fav- favorite Christmas song? If you had to guess what my favorite Christmas song is, what would you think it is? Because I'm not a big, I don't like, I hate Christmas carols. I'll say that now. And I really like some Christmas songs, but I have one that I just love. And I look forward to Christmas, and I can't hear it enough during Christmas. I can't tell if you want something a bit chilled out, or if you want something that is, like, that is a bit of, like, a guilty pleasure. I'm going to say um, Cliff Richard's Mistletoe and Wine. I'm not going to say that. Um, I'm going to say Driving Home for Christmas by... Oh, Colin Poe's one. Just tell me that's not the most beautiful thing you've ever heard, John. <laughs> Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues. Cannot beat it. It's worth having Christmas with all of its problems just for that song. That's a very uh, yeah, that's a very popular choice, isn't it? 
I do it is a very some. popular choice. There is a game in England played by some people where the game is to go as long as you possibly can without hearing the song. See, that's done with Last Christmas, is when I've seen people play that. So, which I always I assume don't... is because people hate Last Christmas. Uh, I guess you could play the game with songs you liked. Is it the Last Christmas? Really, you would though, would you? By Wham? Yeah. Let's have a listen. Oh, this is way too, too poppy. No, thank you. Yeah, but it's about... Oh, I know this song. But it's heartbroken. Last Christmas I gave you my heart. Um, yeah, not for me. All put, right. uh, Dar- um, put Darlene Love, Baby Please Come Home on. Darling Love? Darlene. Darlene. Oh. Will this all Darlene. have to get cut? Because we like playing music and stuff. No, we're sampling it for review purposes of less than 15 seconds, which is acceptable in all of the copyright jurisdictions that I'm familiar with. And nice. I'm sticking by that statement. If if anyone does dispute that, and neither of us have enough money to make us worth suing, you can send your cease and desist letters to the at deceptively clever Instagram <laughs> direct messages, and I will look forward to reading them. Our address once, is one. Once my assistant States. John has reviewed it and passed it along to me. Yeah, Darling, love, baby, you come home. Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I see. Darling, love is the artist. Christmas, baby, please come home. Uh, I can't remember if I hate this one or not. You just gotta wait for the when it all kicks off. It gets going, does it? Which I hope is within fifteen seconds. Christmas. Okay, I don't mind this one at all. This is an actual song. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, no, I don't mind that one. Okay, well, I feel like that was one topic. Well, I'm allowed to do one stupid topic per statement. I feel like we've done. Valentine's Day, do you agree? Yeah. <laughs> what was got two points to it. What was the design of the second released Christmas card in 1848? So it was Does sort it of similar? similar. It was yeah. similar in the fact that it was like a framed Christmas event. And the banner is the same. It's like really similar with the Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Um, but it was more more of a party scene where it's people dancing and it's like I think there was like there's there's two frames one left one right and it's all this big party scene with a divide in the middle and then two people are dancing across the divide which is quite nice um, but it's a it's a lot more fun and festive okay rather than uh, it's homely kind of more more insulting for the guy that his design was good you know like if they had revolutionized the Christmas card from his design, and then it became popular. You could say, well, I just didn't quite get it right. Yeah. Uh, but there's also the... the uh, what's this? There's like the, the charity bits as well, and like the uh, gift-giving. So still okay. pushing those morals and all that stuff. All the same nonsense. All of yep. the same propaganda. Uh, it's pretty good propaganda, though. Okay, and then from then, well, they released every year, do you think? Like, it, from then on, it became real, or did it then... The gap to the next one shortened, and then the gap shortened, and eventually we got to a point where everyone was doing it. So I don't know, I couldn't, because there's less information on this one because it's the second, but um, by the sounds of it, this one was still still targeted at the middle class, still quite expensive, mm-hmm. and it's still mm-hmm. not mass-produced. It's when that they, it's when people work out ways to mass-produce these that it becomes a lot more popular, and that's shortly after, I think, the height of Christmas cards. 
is the 50s to the 70s in Victorian period. Um, okay. And that's when they become really popular. And that is because mm-hmm. Christmas is also becoming, as, as a celebration, more popular. Um, for example, there's a very popular story that Prince Albert, who is married to Queen Victoria, was the one who brought the Christmas tree. Um, which is actually wrong, because it was Charlotte, the wife of George III, um, who brought the first Christmas tree inside. And this was an idea that they brought over from Germany. But there was an George image... the Third, the one that lost America. Um, yes, yeah, must have been, wasn't it? I don't know my numbers on my yes. Georges and my Charleses. With madness of King George. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to say that. It's kind of derogatory, but yeah, I don't know derogatory. <laughs> it's kind of uh, but controversial. Queen Victoria, I think, wrote when she was like a child that she liked this Christmas tree, and then. They had a Christmas tree because Albert was also German, so he brought a Christmas tree inside. They've been doing it for like centuries. Yeah, they've got that cool pagan like religion stuff. Yeah. There was an image that was published in a newspaper in. I saw two dates. I saw 1846 and 1847 of Queen Victoria with Albert, with the family, with this beautiful tree. Then you've also got Dickens writing Christmas Carol in 1843. Um, right, people starting to send Christmas cards so all of this stuff is just commercialising it as soon as you can mass produce them let's send all these Christmas cards okay yep I mean you filled this statement out nicely with some other facts whether it's true or not um, more importantly favourite Christmas film John favourite Christmas film um, there's only one answer again obviously it's a wonderful life it's pretty great Je- Jesus Christ <laughs> I just sometimes feel like we are really different people. I don't even know what that film's about. Love Actually, there is... There is oh. Oh, Love Actually is alright. I will say that there's lots. There's films that I would rather watch around Christmas that aren't Christmas related, but like when you get to the point of the year, you're just like, I want to sit down and watch those. And it's like stuff like Indiana Jones and Harry Potter and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Harry Potter's good. Do you know what is actually the best bit of... Christmas cinema. Oh yeah. The I don't I think it was a Christmas special. The Downton Abbey one where Matthew comes home for Christmas and Edith and Mary are halfway through singing a song and then he walks in and just sort of takes on the male part of the song. Um there was definitely a tear of that. There's another Downton Abbey Christmas special where Bate sneaks home and grabs Anna and they sneak off. Um and nobody knows where he is because he's on the run. That was also a crying moment. Those should be, but they just can't really be called films. Well, I, Gavin and Stacey, I always have to rewatch Gavin and Stacey around Christmas as well because the Christmas specials for Gavin and Stacey are fantastic. Never seen it. If you want a sense of what a British Christmas is like... <laughs> oh, you reckon that's the it. one? Yeah, they're pretty great. Okay. Gavin and Stacey. I think you'll like Gavin and Stacey. Have you seen Dash and Lily or have you read the book about Dash and Lily? No idea. Who are Dash and Lily? Uh, a couple of teenagers who start communicating through a notebook in New York. What are you on about? Lily is an eccentric child. Apparently is, this this a new, is this a new film? Pretty new. No, it's a TV series on Netflix. I think pretty newly released, but it was based on a book. Lily leaves a book in the Strand, famous bookshop in London, a notebook that sort of starts a puzzle hunt for anyone who finds it. And Dash finds it. 
and then they start this communication. It's basically exactly what you would imagine around Christmas time. Um, my pen pal, actually, who was mentioned in a previous episode, told me that they were watching it, so I watched it in one day. Very easy watching, sort of young adult. I'm on the uh, Wikipedia yeah, yeah, um, page, and I just like that uh, it stars some, uh, Austin Abrams as Dash, a teenager who hates Christmas. And that's all of our, that's all the character development we'll get from that. Uh... <laughs> yeah. He's actually told his dad he's with his mum. So his dad, his dad's spending Christmas with his new girlfriend. So Dash is in his dad's sort of central Manhattan apartment. There's also someone own. called Michael Cyril Creighton who plays Jeff the Elf slash Door Queen. But it kind of reads like he is the Elf and Door Queen. Like that's some sort of combined role. <laughs> I don't... I've watched the whole thing. I have no idea what you're talking about. Santa Claus slash Uncle Sal. Pretty cool. Mm, no idea. Okay. I might just be on something completely different now. Maybe I'm making stuff up. Alright, I can't actually name that many Christmas films. I don't really go in for the Home Alone. Um, nah, I've never really been like... Yeah. You know what I really don't like? That Tim Allen one. That's just nonsense. Oh, the one where he... Doesn't he, like, kill Santa or something? Or exactly. Like, yeah. Does he kill him? And then he has yeah, to yeah, become yeah. Santa. Yeah. yeah, he becomes Santa. Could that's, always watch Die Hard. Ridiculous. Uh, I, I always love when people mention Die Hard's a Christmas film. I don't think I've ever seen it, so I can't comment that that's ridiculous. No, There's it is a ex- Christmas film, though. It's the... a Christmas film that you can watch any time of the year. So it's perfect. Well, they all are, really. Um, I need to watch The Holiday to see whether I have any thoughts on it. The Holiday uh, or The Holiday? The Holiday, Kate Winslet. And Jack Black. Yes. I haven't seen, I've seen it, it once, works. but not since I decided, not since I was an adult. Um, there's an excellent Australian TV series about a comedy about Christmas. I can't remember it. There's that, um, oh, I don't know the actor, when he goes, he goes with his fiancée, and has a terrible, the worst week of my life, or something like that. Have you seen that? No. I'll just check while we're while we're here. I'll just check what that's called. God, you watch some crap, don't you? Just. There's the guy who played the Death in Paradise detective. Ben Miller. Yes. Yeah. The worst week of my life. That is that is good. Uh, so despite all this distraction, um, yeah. Have you found well, uh, what you think is a lie? Oh, I haven't even thought about it. The problem is. Well, here's actually what I realised I would quite like. I need to get it wrong so the score can be 4-3 and not affect the next one because I would love if we could record a podcast before this one should be released and release this on Christmas Day. That would make me really happy. But by this, but, but I think it will be like the one before Christmas though, won't it? So that gives people a chance to listen to it before Christmas has been and gone. Yeah, because if we release it on Christmas Day, no one's going to actually listen to it until a couple of days after when they're sick of Christmas. But yeah. my favourite my favorite podcast in the world used to release an episode on Christmas Day, and I loved it. But you, you're probably quite right. This would be the week before. Well, no, it wouldn't. It'd be next week. There'd be another week. I'm going to, instead of... We could release it on the 21st, if we can get another one done before then. True. I'm desperate for the loo. I'm going to go through the loo while you decide, which is a lie. Okay, a bit of thinking time. And I'll let you uh, pontificate to a... Uh... An empty uh, pair of headphones. And you want me to continue the podcast what? while you go to the bathroom? Okay. 
Okay, statement one. I can definitely see how John would have made that up. We're in the Victorian era. He had his good stuff on the Christmas tree being brought in, even though we ended up talking about that later on. I don't think Valentine's Day was popular enough before Christmas. Cards became popular for that to be true. And I think it's really only the American resurgence that has re-raised Valentine's Day to the prominence that it has now. But the problem is that America didn't invent it, so it came from somewhere, and it almost definitely came from England slash Britain, which makes that one obviously plausible, with nothing else to anchor my thoughts in. I lean towards statement two. I also think if you're, if you're in doubt, you put the lie in two. If you want to sneak a lie through, you put it in two. The second one not being released until 1848. Again, it fits quite nicely with John's other research. He could have come up with that. But, I don't know, it kind of works. What he hasn't done is come up with one that's clearly clearly ridiculous or clearly easy as a lie. Sounds like John is returning to us. <laughs> I am back. Any, uh... Any John success? is back. Any success? I've had no success. I'm quite annoyed that you've done a last-minute episode, but you've made... It hasn't... It, there's no obviously apparent lie. It's because they're not very detailed, which is always the hardest for the... Uh... Yeah. I can't really remember much about Valentine's Day in England other than I tried to avoid them. I'm going to go... Oh, that nonsense with the guy knowing Queen Victoria. How's a, a government worker, postal person, got in touch with Queen Victoria and giving, it, giving us some cards? I'm locking in one, but I'm happy to get it wrong because I'm still in the lead anyway. You locking in one? Yeah. Do you want to change your mind last minute? I do not, know. I can recommend it as a tactic. <laughs> oh, I'm fine. Oh, I'm not going to be annoyed. I'm not going to be annoyed whatever you say, uh, which is the real way to win. You got it right. <laughs> I got it I right? Did. Yep. I was lucky I just I remembered that, because when you were talking about it, I was like, I don't think Queen Victoria was chatting with postal workers. Uh, he, he was involved in the Great Exhibition, all this stuff, but um, yeah, yep. he, she, she didn't send those cards out, or if she did, I didn't know about it. But um, I, did I you... definitely did Google 1843 monarchs. Okay, so someone going by Louis-Philippe was in charge in some way in France then. Whether he was in charge, no, he was, he was, he was a monarch. Um, he was a monarch. I have three written down on my notes page, and then I thought, that's not enough, is it? So I quickly googled 1843 monarchs again and returned to the page that I was originally on. I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you did a good job. You did a good job. I was only... I just just remembered... You just shouldn't have said that she was talking to him. If you had just said uh, someone told her about it and she liked it, I probably would have just glossed over that. Yeah, that's true. I sort of... They were best friends, though, Justin, so... Uh... <laughs> yeah, close confidant. <laughs> so you could have said he was a husband to... of one of her ladies-in-waiting, but you would have had to call him a lord of, at the very least. I don't know if he was... I don't know what he was... See if I can find what his title is. He was a man seminal to the popularisation of commercial Christmas. That's what he was. Apparently he's the director of the world's greatest motorcycle rides TV show. I can't be right. I guess it's different. Uh, seems <laughs> unlikely. Oh, British civil servant and inventor. Oh, inventor. Oh, okay. It's very... apparently, he di- apparently he invented uh, or produced Fitting. a prize-winning teapot. Oh, God. Under the pseudonym... Felix Summerlee. What? What? 
What and, and why? And was it children's book? Did, did it win because it was good at steeping tea or because it looked nice? I don't know. Again, okay. I'm on Wikipedia and there's like so little information there. Oh, well, there we go. What does that make the score, John? 5 3. For all, I think. For all. The score is for all. <laughs> the end of it all so we've done best Christmas song we've done best Christmas film we've talked about Downton Abbey we've talked about uh, other random stuff that I'm not going to put in the show notes because I don't have time have you we didn't ask me my favourite Christmas present Justin oh yeah what, what have, what's your most memorable Christmas gift morning I got Christmas uh, Jabba's Barge in Lego from Star Wars and it was I think the happiest I'll ever be uh, were you? Did you guys do Christmas in the living room of that house yeah. that I went to? Yeah. So a little John in little John glasses and little John matching pajamas, flannelette buttoned all the way up to the top, ripped open a present out of a sack, and found a Lego Lego set from the most hated Star Wars character, and was yeah, but ecstatic. It had, but it was, but it was brilliant because it had like I'm, all the yeah. little minifigures and all this stuff, and it just. It had everything that you could possibly want. It was amazing. I feel warmed to my core at the thought of that image. I love it. I never, I never loved Lego. I have a Harry Potter Lego, which I, it's up in my cupboard, and I haven't put it together for, I don't know, fourteen years, and I love that I have it. I just feel very fond of that. What could be more iconic, really? Lego for Christmas. Did you build it straight away? Uh, yeah, I did build on a date, and it was we had like a little table in that room that I just like poured all this Lego onto and just built it. It was great. Yeah. The best bit about was when we would do Christmas and do it in the morning. We'd have uh, a breakfast. That was always a thing. Nan would come out. But then we always had to go somewhere for Christmas lunch or whatever. And the best bit for me would always be when you got home and your parents were just so tired. They just, I don't know, sat down. Dad kept drinking beer. And you got to actually play with the gifts that you got earlier in the morning that you weren't allowed to touch all day because you had to go. I don't, we used to be allowed to take like one gift to the family gathering. So then I would always just be, I just remember those nights where you got to actually do the thing like put the Lego together. Yeah. I also remember getting a Game Boy Micro as well. That was amazing. Oh, you had a Game Boy? Game Boy Micro, mate. Very progressive parents you had. I think Game Boy Micros are quite Did your rare. parents get, like, did you, was there stuff where you all got the same thing or like you and Jake got the same thing but different colours? Um, uh, sort of similar like we'd have similar presents but then like there was always something that you asked for that it was like individual yeah 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 like I'm talking stocking fillers like we would get we'd get like a bouncing ball and I'd get blue and my brother would get red or we'd get um... yeah there was always something like that but there was yeah, also get... um, we would always have a, a satsuma and a um, walnut in our stocking a what? satsuma? is that a fruit? yeah like an orange why? I don't know, I think it's like traditional, yeah. Is it? Never heard of it. Ever. A satsuma and a walnut. <laughs> walnut feels Christmas. Like. Well, orange. Is, I don't know if it was specifically a satsuma. That seems like they're both ingredients in Christmas cake. Oh, I do, made my Christmas. do you like the fruit Christmas cake? I love it, and I've made my own this year. And it oh, good. smells been amazing. Tipping brandy over it? Yep, I fed it two days ago. Good. You know what makes absolutely no sense to me? What's that? Oh, Australians are going to just lose their mind at this. Mince pies 
And I'll just give you the tip, there's no meat involved. Oh, yeah. No, never good. Underwhelming. I did have some good ones that were homemade, but I feel like actually one of our mutual friends whose house I went to... I must have gone after Christmas. I did. I went after Christmas around New Year, and there was some mince, homemade mince pies left over, and they were much, much... They were, they were good. They were very... They were actually nice. But the store-bought ones are just always underwhelming. They're always very dry, the store-bought ones. Like, the hmm. dry... Pastries, but homemade ones are where it's at. Yeah. Stupid, stupid tradition. I had to make a cocktail once, a mince pie cocktail, where we had to get the mince pie mix and put it in a shaker. Do you reckon that was fun to clean out of cocktail trainers? That sounds disgusting. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it didn't make any sense, but the drink was fine, but it went with rum. Um... Did you have Christmas breakfast? Did you have the same thing every time, or was it just a normal breakfast? We tend to have, like, a nicer breakfast, but it's not okay. like... It's like, I don't know, just sort of nice coffee and stuff, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, that was exactly what it was like when I had the Christmas with... I can't remember at Jack's, but the other one with former partner, that was a real nice breakfast. But you just but, know that you've got like a big meal coming up, so you're not gonna like eat those. And you're gonna have a like you know a few chocolates night before lunch. That's true. I was always allowed to have the chocolates. In, a, in my my parents developed the tradition somewhere through the middle of my childhood of having warm croissants. So they would put some dead animal flesh and some fermented cow juice in a croissant, which would have had some coagulated co- coagulated cow juice through the croissants, and you just got to stop, mate. Um, oh, it's good, because you can buy the supermarket ones, and when you put them in the oven, they sort of go all nice and fresh and warm again. Obviously, I can't have them now. I don't think regional Tasmanian supermarkets have vegan croissants. I don't have to stop, and I won't stop for anybody, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, you show them. <laughs> yeah. Also, what I love, not a single other vegan listens to this podcast regularly. Well, I think you're going to put off all of our other... Listeners, anyway, because you keep calling it cow juice. Oh, I don't, because you're here to save the day. Oh, it's so grim when you do it. Yeah, that's <laughs> literally what it is. It's juice that comes out of a cow. It squirts out of a cow. Oh, stop. Um, it does so. <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> God, it's like I've been transported back to the smell vision episode. I love it when like, people are like, oh, this cheese is sort of going mouldy. I'm like, it's literally fermented milk. Like, yeah. uh, it's not good. It's fine. It's not good, but it's fine. Like, you know, people are like, oh, no, I wouldn't touch blue cheese. Yeah, I mean, it does taste horrible. Um, no, I'm not here to... I'm just I'm just here to use the terms that are realistic. I'm not here to offend anyone. Um, and Christmas croissants seems like a great idea because it's the perfect breakfast. It's indulgent. It's nice. It's super easy. That's what we, te- that's what we tend to have, yeah. You have croissants as well? Yeah. Oh, cool. I think now I'd have to have oatmeal, which is not... Well, like overnight oats, it's not not as exciting. Oats of the future, it's great. I usually have, I usually have like cereal as well because I'm starving. You're right. You're in there for breakfast. Yeah. What time do you crack a beer? Uh, I tend to do that when we start making tea. So, whenever that is, about midday probably. Okay. Might have I'd a say whiskey t- in the morning. Ten a.m. Oh, whiskey, whiskey in the morning. Okay. With your, with your coffee. That would be nice. But didn't do that on any of my. I reckon Jack and I would have started pretty early. Yeah. 
Also, what was good, you could just, I'll never forget, we could just leave, I think we had cider, you could just leave it outside, and that would get it down to four degrees. <laughs> in Australia, you've got to have an esky, and it's like, Australian Christmas, it's very, you have to negotiate fridge space, because you've got so much food that's like prepped and ready and there. Yeah. It's not, you've got to have your shed fridge for beer, and such. Whereas in England, just leave it outside, it'll be fine. Uh, yeah, true. We have a, well, yeah, got a fridge downstairs anyway. Um, that was good. We, we um, yeah, we did frequent that fridge in my two days. That's where the beers kept. <laughs> uh, I feel like we've covered lots of the Christmas, the Christmas stuff. What's your Boxing Day there? Boxing Day is, oh God, my laptop's going off. Is my favourite because oh, Boxing Day is when you get to go watch the football. Oh, Boxing Day is a great day of football. Forgot about that. Boxing is great, and you go go watch football, and you have like your leftovers, and just yep. like fantastic yep, yep, sandwiches yep, yep. that have all the sorts of meats and veg and all this sort of stuff that you could possibly have. I such a nice tea. take, yeah, I love all of those same things. So in Australia, the, there's a cricket test match that starts on Boxing Day every year, uh, which is excellent. But I have a slightly different experience because it was my brother's birthday. The entire family, pretty much the exact same family you just spent Christmas Day with, have to redo the entire celebration exactly the same because everybody's <laughs> always worried about him feeling like his birthday was forgotten or left out. And I always yeah. thought it was a great injustice that he didn't get a normal birthday and I didn't get Boxing Day because I would have been completely happy to have it swept under the carpet. No, but then they would be then they would be doing more attention on it because they'd be like they have to, so it would probably make you feel more awkward. I think everyone would have figured out that I was fine, just doing birthday on Christmas. <laughs> I, yeah. as the brother of it, I thought it was fine because there was always cousins to play cricket with, and I was happy doing the whole thing all over again. And you would have as like slightly, you'd have some people who went and did Christmas somewhere else, that would then come to the birthday the next day. It usually meant we did not host Christmas because then we would be hosting the Boxing Day. Yeah. Which also that worked fine, but yeah, but I like I like Boxing Boxing Day seems to be more like Christmas Day people do similar things, and then Boxing Day is a better description of what their family structure and interests are actually like. I, yeah, I think now for... I'd just be ready to sit in a quiet room in the English countryside reading a book by fire, as you describe. <laughs> My boxing that, that day is ruined this year. Ruined? Why? Yeah, because I can't go to watch the football and I'm at work. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Who's coming to a museum on Boxing Day? I don't know. It doesn't even make any <laughs> sense. Why is it even open? I don't know. Oh, I'm kind of happy it is, I guess. We're both going to be looking at very different fixtures. I'm interested in actual football and you're interested in third tier. Not third tier, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't help yourself. Fucking hell, yeah. Oh, Leicester United starting up pretty strong. Arsenal, Chelsea, watch... Jesus, that's going to be out yeah, at 4.30. I will not I be getting watch... up at 4.30. I'll watch the Arsenal-Chelsea game. Oh, just as I'm finishing work. Well, that'll be a whitewash. <laughs> um, mm, nice. Well, that's exciting. Christmas episode in the can. It's going to be a long one. Let's pray for Justin who has to edit it. You can cut out that bit where I've talked about that cake. <laughs> what cake? <laughs> oh, 
That was the last one. We'll finish on that. When someone comes up to you, let's say you're at work in the museum, and says Merry Christmas, what is your response? They're on the way out the door. They've had a lovely time in the museum. You've helped them appreciate something nice. They say, Merry Christmas. What do you say? And to all a good night. Um, No. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Do you say have Christmas back? Or you too? Is, is Is there a set way that you have to do it? That is the debate. Once when I was a child operating a petrol station on my own on a weekend, a woman came in and told me that she hates it when she says Merry Christmas and the person says you too. The only acceptable response apparently is something like Merry Christmas. I think, yeah, no, I think I'd probably say Merry Christmas if someone said Merry Christmas. I play the game if I'm in a customer service situation of trying not to say Merry Christmas to people because I'm just like, I'm just at work, lady. Do you think every single person that comes in here tries to say Merry Christmas? Yes. I'm tired of it. <laughs> That's fair. But, when, you've said, when you've said it enough, you just don't want to say it yeah. anymore. To our wonderful podcast listeners across the globe, more than happy to say Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. Or at least a moderately okay declining pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Please bring on the new year. <laughs> and that's where we're <laughs> Right, I'll stop uh, recording. <laughs>